For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Welcome to Believe in Colts, where Lawrence Owen and Dequel Jackson brings you everything about the shoe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen, and this is a special edition. I've got my guy here, Davey Hudson from Believe in Titans with me. How's it going, my guy? Hey, Lawrence, I'm doing well. I'm just excited that the NFL season, we're in full swing now, week three coming up. So the fact that we just have football, I can't be happier, and I'm excited to see what the Titans and the Colts are able to do this Sunday on the gridiron. But how about yourself, man? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I've been really busy this past week and a little bit distraught over the first two weeks of the NFL. Things happen a little differently for the Colts than what it has for the Titans. So uh, looking at this game coming up and it's it's going to be an interesting game because, I mean, it, it always is being a divisional game. But before we get into that, why don't you let our, our uh, listeners and our viewers know a little bit about you and where they can find you? Yes, certainly. So, uh, name's Davey Hudson with Believe in Titans. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Davey, D-A-V-E-Y underscore Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N. And same setup where you can find Believe in Colts. We're on the same platforms. And so, you can check out me and former Titan Denard Walker. Love Love D does a great job of breaking down, especially that that secondary. And I mean, for the Titans as of late, secondary has been iffy at times. So it's great to have a set of eyes like his who's played at the highest level and just really understands what else going down from a scheme standpoint. And, you know, I, I also uh, if you enjoy college athletics and for some reason you're a fan of the Tennessee Volunteers, you can catch me every Monday through Friday on Fox Sports Knoxville yeah, here in Tennessee. So that's pretty much what I got going right now. So that's got to be rough for you, isn't it? I mean, uh, being a Titans fan and a Tennessee fan, when Peyton Manning was a quarterback, you were kind of torn, weren't you, a little bit? You know, I, I mean, I, I love Peyton, and it was one of those things to where I I didn't really understand the time growing up. I mean, I'm a little on the younger side of things, but like the rivalry between the NFL teams, because it's just like, oh, Peyton played for Tennessee, so it's like I'm going to root for Peyton and the Titans. And obviously as you get older, you realize like that just doesn't work out too well, but no, I, I still <laughs> love Peyton. And I'll be honest, like uh, once he went to the Broncos, it made it even easier to pull for him. <laughs> and so like the year where Peyton and Steve McNair both won the MVP, I was just like, it's like, I, I can't be upset, man. I, I just can't. <laughs> and it's, it's a weird thing, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, y- you got to separate them and, been happy that I've been able to watch Peyton as I, I grew up because, in my opinion, he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. I don't care. You can call Tom Brady the most decorated, but Peyton changed the game. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I, I think, um, yeah, with the rings and what he's accomplished in the in, in the uh, postseason stuff like that, obviously Tom Brady is there. 
And I get why a lot of the majority of people call him the goat, but you're right. Peyton Manning's mental aspect of the game and how we approached it and, and prepared for it was just second to none, you know? Yeah. And I'm um, happy we get to watch him on Monday nights now. So yeah, that was, better. yes, it, yes, it does. Uh, speaking of former Colts players and guys that you rooted for, you got a few Colts players on your team right now. And so that's, to me, I think guys like Danico Autry, Chester Rogers, you know, I I, I look at them and I go, man, I, I, I wish them the best. I hope they don't, you know, perform well this Sunday, but, you know, I wish them the best and I, I hope they do well over there. How are they doing for you guys over there in uh, on Tennessee? So for right now, Danico had a great game against the Seahawks, actually. And so to see him come out and we're like, all right, the Titans, they've been lacking pass rush for the last couple of years. And so they also went out and got Bud Dupree from the Steelers. And we we're like, how is this going to work? And then this past weekend, we finally saw, because I just try to block that Cardinals game from memory after just how bad that was. That was uh, uncharacteristic of any Mike Vrabel coach team, I believe, that I've seen play. But Danico came out. He had a great second game in Seattle and Chester, like before the season, I mean, we were talking about this wide receiver room for the Titans is one that's just, it's really stacked. It's probably the deepest that I can ever remember that unit ever being. And so for him to ultimately come out and make the team, I thought he flashed in the preseason. And of course the Titans have been using him as their primary returner on kick and punt. So it's, it's been good to see that they both came on and are able to provide a really big impact early on for this team speaking of big impacts uh you guys have a guy back over there on the d-line uh what's it like watching jeffrey simmons over there (laughs) don't get me started so it's, it's one of those things to where you really look back and think how fortunate you are that a guy of his caliber fell to where the titans were able to draft him in uh the gosh it would have been the 2019 draft. Mm -hmm. So whenever you look back and you're like, I know this guy's a top five player, obviously coming off the knee injury, the NFL made very well to show his video. That's not the most graceful thing. I mean, it's a terrible look like there's no way to sugarcoat it uh, for, for what he did before he went to Mississippi state, but he's came out and played at a tremendous level ever since he's been physically able to go. And Titans fans are really excited. I mean, there were a couple of surveys over the offseason, GMs talking about, all right, well, we obviously know Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle in the game, but who's second? And there's a couple of guys that you really could slot anywhere between that two and five. And Jeffrey Simmons' name kept coming up. A couple of those guys said, you know, he's he's second on this list. I understand there's a, a large gap between first and second, but Jeffrey has all the tools to be one of the top defensive tackles, if not one of the top defensive linemen in the game today. Yeah. I mean, the Colts, they have themselves a, uh, their own, you know, guy Darius. that, uh, no defensive tackle. Yeah. Buckner coming over from the 49ers. Yeah. He's definitely been something to, I mean, when you watch him play, it's, it's, you'll want to run away from him. Let's put it that way. Well, yeah. I mean, the first time that we met each other, uh, Colts Titans uh, last season, DeForest Buckner was able to play and we were able to hold Derrick Henry down a little bit. And that was why we were able to, to win. One of the reasons why we were able to win. And then the next time we played the Titans, DeForest Buckner had COVID, uh, was not able to play that game. And Derrick Henry ran all over the Indianapolis Colts. So a solid defensive tackle playing at his best definitely affects the game in a very, very positive way for a team. Very much so, yeah. And I, there for a second, I, I uh, 
wasn't thinking you were going to stay on the D-line. I was just going to say, like, Darius Leonard, one of the best defensive players in the game, and so he's somebody you always have to account for. And while he's out there, I know that that defense is going to play at a high level. So I am interested to see from a a defensive standpoint. I mean, I know we're still kind of waiting on the injury report to come out for this week. I know offensively, one of the biggest question marks is around Carson Wentz, but when you're looking at the Colts' defense, I feel like they're relatively healthy going into this game. For the most part, Darius Leonard is still dealing with uh, an ankle injury. He's he's playing with it. I think he's getting better as the weeks go on. Uh, we still have a situation uh, at our number one cornerback. Xavier Rhodes has been dealing with a calf injury uh, since right before week one, uh, hoping he'll be able to play because we'll need him uh, drastically against Julio Jones and um, A.J. Brown. Obviously, those two are, are high-impact players. My question again, going over to that side, I mean, you guys, you had a three-headed monster last year. Now you've got four guys over there on the offense that defenses have to really uh, look at. How how has Julio – now, I watched the game. Okay. Uh, but in your own words, uh, what was it like watching Julio uh, kind of step out uh, this past week and, and and show what he can bring to the team? I mean, it was fantastic to see you go back to week one and you just got a very poor performance. I know Mike Vrabel specifically called him out by name for the personal foul that he had where Titans, they're down 10 nothing against the Cardinals, third and one. He gets that personal foul. You're bumped up third and 16, drive stalls. And as we know, that, that game was never going anywhere. So then this past week, you have an opportunity where Ryan is able to get him the ball. He's making some contested catches. It's really the way Seattle was trying to take him away, it just didn't really matter because, I mean, he was getting open and he was just making the most of it. And that's why you went out and traded for the guy in the first place because you needed that other receiver opposite of AJ. And I know Corey Davis, great receiver in his own right, but, I mean, he doesn't stack up when you're comparing him to Julio Jones. And last week, when you talk about it, like, if it's not for Julio, this isn't even a game because AJ was really struggling. He had several drops, very uncharacteristic performance for him. And so with Julio stepping up and of course, Derrick Henry being able to explode in the second half, it really did give that team some life and a reason in which they ultimately were able to come out on top. One thing that I look at when I see the stat lines on both these games for the Titans these past couple of weeks is the, the defense is, is giving up an average of 34 points a game right now. Uh, that's a, that's scary. That's scary when you're a defense. Now, obviously last year, uh, there was question marks around the Titans defense to you personally, uh, even with the additions that you have seen, what are your thoughts through two weeks on, on this, uh, Titans defense? What are their strengths? What do they need to work on? Yeah. So definitely the strength for this team right now is got to be that presence on the defensive line. When you look at Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry, it's hard to really pull a lot of strengths out of week one because you just, you didn't really have any. And when I look back at that game last week for playing in Seattle, it was really weird because the first half, you're not able to stop Seattle. Russell's able to drive up and down the field. I mean, you look at that, it wasn't even a two minute drive that he had before the end of the first half, but he, goes down the field, like seven plays, 75 yards. They don't even have to burn a timeout. And this, the secondary, you're like, my gosh, are we, are we in for this again? Because the Titans pretty much gutted their secondary last year outside of Kevin Byard. And so when you look at the corners that they brought in, and one of the biggest things for Titans fans, at least this offseason, was how is defensive coordinator Shane Bowen going to perform this year? Because last year it was really 
is a very muddy situation when you look at like, all right, well, who's calling the plays? Who's technically in charge of the defense? Because Vrabel had his hands kind of in there and the the lines were just blurry as far as like, well, how much power does Shane Bowen have? So then this offseason, Shane Bowen, de facto, or he's he's the guy, he's the defensive coordinator. And it's, man, like I, I know I mentioned the Jekyll and Hyde thing earlier with Julio Jones, but when you look at the first half for the Titans against Seattle in the second half, it's really it really is day and night because the second half you only had six points allowed and it was from a busted coverage and that sucks, but you're having some injuries. You're having to play a lot of guys who have won or rookies and just don't have a lot of experience. Occasionally that's going to happen. And Freddie Swain got open. Like there was no one within 20 yards of him. but outside of that one play, the Titans just shut down the Seahawks in the second half. So if you get that type of performance, you're going to be feeling really good about the deep. And so I just don't know what to expect. And whenever you are talking about some of the weaknesses, I mentioned the secondary earlier, Elijah Molden, he got, I think he's going to be a good player for the Titans long-term, but he's still trying to catch up and get acclimated to the the speed of the game. And then you had Christian Fulton step up. He was looking good, but Janoris Jenkins was getting, sorry, Jackrabbit Jenkins. I got to get that right now. Jackrabbit Jenkins was struggling there at times. And of course, whenever Amani Hooker got put on IR, uh, McDougal, they put him in at safety. Definitely one of those plays where you see it was Tyler Lockett just basically walking to the end zone where two Titans defenders took each other out. That was kind of on uh, McDougal. And so it's it's one of those things to where it's they're young, they're still learning, but if they can kind of cut out those mistakes, I think this is going to be a solid unit at the end of the day. So you have had to deal with different offensive coordinators back-to-back years, right? I mean – so how's how's the uh, how's the offense look different this year as compared to last year? Yeah, so last year, I mean that, that's one of the things. Real quick though, with with Mike Vrabel when he came in first year, you had Matt Lafleur. He left to go be the head coach for the Packers. You then were able to promote from within with Arthur Smith. You had him for two years. Titans offense high flying with him. Obviously, he gets the head coaching job for the Atlanta Falcons. And then this year, they promoted from within again and have Todd Downing calling the plays and. Coach Downing, first half, I was the first game, it was really bad. He was not working to Ryan's strengths. And then this past game, you saw them try to get the play action more involved. And Ryan really was, I want to say at the end of the day, he he should have been 12, 12 of 12 on play action plays. He had three drops, so he ultimately ended nine of 12. And that's like, that's his comfort zone. And when you can do that, you can see that this offense can go off for a lot of points as evident in the second half last week. So it wasn't a great start for coach Downing, but I've at least seen progress and obviously week one to week two, that's kind of what you're hoping to see. And so now can he continue to one, find that rhythm and two, just continue to get as much production out of this offense as possible. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of a situation we're looking at, you know, on the offensive side for the Colts as well, being that we're dealing with a new offensive coordinator as well as our previous one uh, moved on to become the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And we promoted from within as well with Marcus Brady. So uh, still trying to get his feet wet in that situation and, 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 and get to understanding how to how to work with the strengths of the team uh, while while still putting his stamp on it. Now, granted, with our situation, our coach makes the offensive play calls, our head coach, and, you know, uh, the offensive coordinators, they're really to help out, whereas your head coach is more the defensive guy, right? 
he's more the defensive guy, but if, if I'm being honest, I kind of like it when Frabel just steps aside whenever it comes to the schemes, at least for what we've seen so far. I mean, you, you look back at Vrabel's time as the defensive coordinator in Houston, he wasn't that great of a DC. Now, where he does excel is he gets his players ready and he has them fired up. I know they came out flat the first game, but the statistic is during Mike Vrabel's time since 2019, anytime his team loses by double digits the week after, he he ends up winning the game. And that held true against the Seahawks this week. It took a lot for that team to claw back, but they don't quit. And he continues to have them ready to go whenever you're expecting it. And so it's it, it's weird. It's kind of like I just hope he continues to take that CEO type approach. It's not like it's not like he's going to be your Sean McVay, where he's just sitting there calling the plays and just outsmarting the other the opposing sideline in that regard. So uh, this last offseason, Johnny Smith, the tight end, moved on and is having a, a pretty good couple weeks so far over there in New England. Has anyone stepped up over there uh, in Tennessee to, to to fill those shoes? It's actually a great question, Lawrence, because going into this game, the guy you were expecting to be your receiving tight end, Anthony Ferkser, he was out against the Seahawks. He had a decent performance week one, but I mean, he's the guy that he's very shorthanded. You throw it his way, he's going to be able to usually come up with it. Now, as I said, he was scratched. The Titans actually went and promoted Michael Pruitt from the practice squad. Pruitt actually played for him the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. but in free agency, went and signed with the 49ers, ultimately gets cut. Tennessee decides to bring him back. He was very, I'm trying to think of the right way. He provided a spark for this team this last week. If you go back and you watch the game, there was a time where him and Jamal Adams were getting into it. Pruitt got inside Jamal's head, ultimately ended up getting Jamal to commit a uh, unnecessary roughness penalty. Titans get 15 yards. Uh, he's catching, I think he had three receptions for 43 yards. Don't quote me on that. I, I should have those stats in front of me, but he was able to come in where you know, you had lost a guy in Johnu Smith, and you're like, all right, well, who's going to be that guy at the tight end position? Because you look at AJ and Julio, obviously that's going to command a lot of the defense's attention, and of course, Derrick Henry. So somebody's got to step up and be the other playmaker. And this past week, it was Pruitt when you needed him most. Titans used Jeff Swain to block. He, there, there were some iffy moments last week, but hoping that he gets those corrected. And so the Titans, when you look at their personnel, for for tight ends, it's it's really we're like, all right, we got a guy we can trust to block in these situations. Then we got a receiver here, and I mean that's the the Colts. I mean they've used a couple of tight end sets over the last couple of years. When you look at Doyle and Mo Ali Cox, so it's that that tight end battle. It's it's a it's a position that I think is often underappreciated in the league, and so I actually kind of like to give those guys credit when when it's warranted. Oh yeah, definitely, uh, especially any tight end on on, on any team. I, I think tight ends are. Uh, incredibly undervalued, um, especially uh, when you got a guy who's who's kind of all around, right? A guy who can block in the passing game and the run game, and go out and and be, become a, a real weapon for the passing attack as well. Um, speaking of of pass blocking and run blocking, you guys obviously have a legit left tackle over there, uh, Taylor Lewan. But when I'm looking at your your depth chart, uh. On the Titans homepage, the right tackle has three guys sitting as the first guy. Who who's actually your, Man, your starting right tackle? Okay. Well, right now it's Taylor. Well, 
t- t- Taylor, okay, like Taylor Lewan, it's it's iffy. I, I know the question is about the right tackle, but I, I feel like I got to talk about this. I don't know if he's going to play this week. Uh, he did not play against Seattle in warmups. Tweaked his knee, coming off a torn ACL. It's one of those to where you're like, all right, Ty Sambrello is going to be battling for that starting right tackle position. Well, Taylor goes down. He slides over to left tackle. He has a great performance whenever you're looking at a guy who's having to step up who's also coming off the torn ACL. So Sambrello filled in there. Saffold's also injured at the left guard position. So the offensive line's pretty banged up right now. But then at the right tackle, you know, you look at last year. Isaiah Wilson was supposed to be the guy. He's already out of the league. I I don't want to get started on the biggest bust in NFL history, but that's neither here nor there. And so then David Quesenberry, great story. Guys overcame cancer. He stepped up, was able to play. And of course, they went out in free agency and brought Kendall Lamb over from the Cleveland Browns. They also drafted a guy in Dylan Redunds. He's primarily going to play guard. He's just not ready at the moment. But yeah, for right tackle, I thought Quesenberry's done a decent job so far. And when I look at offensive line, if I don't hear their name during the game, I view that as a good thing. And so that's that's kind of where I want to keep it. And so I'll be interested to see how they kind of shake things up this week once we get a full injury report and we know who's ready to go. But I'm just kind of up in the air at this point about who is going to be filling in because the injury concerns just lead to so many questions at the moment. That's a big thing. If Taylor Lewan can't go and tie – uh sembrello sembrello yes yeah uh he has to start over there he's going up against our rookie um you know uh quitty pay uh the first round pick out uh, that he hasn't really he, he showed a lot of good stuff um in preseason and has a few flashes during the games but he's been going up against stalwarts at the left tackle position so uh, that's that's a situation that I think will be a very interesting. And then, of course, obviously at your left guard um, with with Saffold, Saffold being, you know, having the issues there. Uh, DeForest Buckner gives even Quentin Nelson a handful, you know, during practices. So um, what. Would 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 you say that your your left side of your line now is probably your 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 biggest question mark on the offense? Then, as far as like who we're expecting to play, I'd say yes. During the game this past week, if you go back, Saffold went down. The next play, they put in Aaron Brewer, and I I still need to go back and and, and watch this more because I couldn't really see who missed their assignment. But the next play after Saffold goes down is whenever the Seahawks get that strip sack on Ryan, which I was more frustrated with the play call where you're going play action to where Ryan has his back to that side of the line when you're putting in a guy who does not have much experience. You can only anticipate that the defense is going to really try to take advantage of that side of the line. And, of course, they did. And two plays later, they score a touchdown to where they have 14 points in less than a minute. So, But I was really happy with how the team rebounded from there. And the line in the second half wasn't much of an issue. So... They started to find their rhythm, and really, I mean, that's one of the biggest things when you look at the offensive line. It's a group that really relies on chemistry, just kind of knowing what your teammate to your right or your left is going to be able to do. And so if they can find that balance, I, I feel okay, especially just because, at least with Derrick Henry, he's the type of guy that if he does get hit in the backfield, he's usually good to break a couple of those here or there. Now, obviously, you don't want him getting hit two yards in the backfield every time he takes the handoff, but at least it does provide me some reassurance that, if they're not getting that push, he's at least in the backfield to help out. Um, so going into this game, 
what do you think? Now, in my opinion, me and DeQuell, what we just, you know, obviously we, we feel like every game you should walk in and go, the game plan is to run the heck out of Derrick Henry and control the game clock and make life easier for uh, your quarterback. Do you feel that that's what the game plan would be against the Indianapolis Colts this week? I think it's definitely going to be established the run early, but if that's not going for you for whatever reason, I mean, we've, we've seen that at times, especially going up against the Colts the last couple of years. I, I think having Julio play like he did this past week, and I, I can't see A.J. Brown having two bad performances like he did two weeks in a row. So it, it could be a situation where I think the Titans might just try to get, get on some one-on-one matchups and just throw it up to their all pro wide receivers and see what they can do. It's it, It'll be interesting just to kind of see how Todd Downing's going to go about it. I know whenever you're, you are coming off of a high, like the Titans are getting that win in Seattle, how are you going to play the first half, uh, getting back into the the swing of things? Because like I said, like the biggest issue I've had with the Titans the last couple of years is it's just, you never know which team you're going to get. It seems like they struggle to put a first and a second half together or vice versa. And so, I mean, you see the good and the bad. And so if they could just consistently put those two halves, like you, you're due for at least one a game, then this team would easily be in that conversation with like the bills and the chiefs this year, as far as like, who's going to be representing the AFC in the super bowl. Yeah, this is, this is a very, very important week three matchup uh, for the AFC South in general uh, right now. If the Titans win, they they'll take, they have a chance to take a two game lead in the division uh, over everybody else. And if the Colts win, they have a shot literally of being one and two and being on top of the division, it's it's weird how stuff like that happens. Uh, to where you know you could win and be at the bottom of the division or at the top of the division, or lose and be at the complete bottom of it. And um, so, uh, in, in your eyes, uh, is this the more important game right now than what the the later game is uh, in the season? I believe so. And I say that because if you look at the Titans' schedule, they were fortunate they were able to split their first two NFC West opponents and go one and one. Now, after the Colts, you get to go on the road and you play the Jets. Rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, very rough outing this past week. And then after that, you get to play Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. And I'm I'm not a believer in Urban Meyer. So I, like, I'm, I'm just chalking that up as a win. If it comes back to bite me in the ass, it comes back to bite me in the ass. But I just – I don't see how – the Colts, the Titans, almost any team in the league should lose to the Colts or should lose to the Jags this year. Now, with the Colts this coming week, like you said, I mean, it's a it's a very big swing for both teams because Titans could go up two one on who I I really view as our only competition to win the AFC South this year. And if we go up two one in the standings and the Colts are at zero and three, it's it's going to be to where we at least have the Titans have a little bit of breathing room. Now, if if you do look at how this series has gone the last couple of years, it's kind of weird. I feel like the Titans usually play better in Indianapolis mm-hmm. than they do at, at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. So it's just, I, I always try to temper expectations and tell people, it's like, listen, guys, for divisional games in the NFL, anything goes. And it's one of those things to where these teams see each other enough. You just need to be prepared. Even if it looks like you should win, just don't ever get ahead of yourself, even though I say that. And then like 10 seconds ago, I was talking about how the Jags are an automatic W, but yeah, it's, it's just a huge, a huge matchup. And so I know Titans fans, they, they were let down their first game in Nissan stadium this year. So they're really hoping that the team comes back and is able to put on a show for the fans. 
Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, the <clears throat> you're right though. Um, in recent memory, it, it has been that way. You know, where the the visiting team seems to do uh, better on the road uh, when it comes between the Colts and the Titans matchups. Um, it's very interesting <clears throat> with the the scheduling that we have this year, where we're facing the AFC East and the NFC West. And the NFC West is is a scary division. It, Be- it best really, in the it, league, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, my by far. And the Colts, you know, the majority of their tough games is in the first five weeks. You know, all five of their first games of the of the year are against teams that won at least ten games last year. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of people out there that could that that say they could see the Colts starting out one and four. And then just running a big long streak of wins, you know, you know, mid to late season because of how the schedule has has came up. Because as you said, we're in a division where there's only, in our opinions, and I like I said, this could bite us in the butt, like you said. Uh, but there's only really two teams that really scare anybody right now. Even though the Texans won Week One, amazingly enough, um, no one's looking at the Texans and going. Oh, they're they're going to be a tough tough outing, or or Jacksonville. Even though Jacksonville's offense looks on paper like it could be really good, it seems like any offense would be able to go against their defense and just score at will. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's what's fortunate for those like who are watching and hoping that Derrick Henry has another incredible season. It's like, well, he gets the Jags and the Texans defense twice. So yeah, I mean, and for the the Texans, like it's one thing, like I I did think Tyrod Taylor came out and performed fairly well for what he has around him at the moment. Obviously he has that hamstring injury. He's already been ruled out for Thursday night, Thursday night's game against the Panthers. So Panthers kind of a surprise. They're one of the few two and O teams at the moment. And I just kind of expect them to continue to keep it rolling. I just hope that for the, the rest of, the AFC South, when you kind of look at the the scheduling that they have, I mean, can they go in and upset like the, the Colts for their two remaining NFC West games? Are you able to put still a game there? Because I, I think that the Titans were able to still theirs this past week. And uh, whenever you get the Rams, the 49ers, both those games, you you look at them, it's later in the season. So, so what's going to happen there? But yeah, I mean, it's, the, the AFC South has not had many favors done for them from a scheduling standpoint this season. So the Indianapolis Colts just came off a loss to the Rams, uh, but it was tied with like just a few minutes left in the game. It was a very, very tight game. And then Carson Wentz comes out of the game with two ankle sprains. He's got a high ankle sprain and a low ankle sprain on on different feet, and he had to come out. And now we're sitting uh, with a second-year quarterback that just took his first NFL uh, game snaps last week late in a fourth quarter on a wishing, you know, drive to win the game. Um, is that going to make things, uh, do you think that's going to change the defensive scheme that your team is going to use if if we have to go out there uh, without Carson Wentz and have to go with Jacob Eason instead? You know, I, I was really kind of hoping to get more of an idea of how Carson was going to fit in Frank Reich's system. And obviously, if, if he's not able to go, Jacob Eason, year two, 
playing in that. And I know his, his uh, fourth quarter was not one to be remembered for Colts fans this past week, but it's, it's one of those things to where I think if you're the Titans, I'm making Jacob Easton prove that he can beat me. I'm, I'm making sure that the Colts are not able to establish the run. And it's like, Jacob, if, if you're going to, if the Colts are going to win this game, it's going to be on your shoulders. And you're going to have to go out there and have an incredible performance to, to keep your team in this because it's, it's one of those things to where when you're looking at young quarterbacks, I mean, it's, you can't really describe it. They just have to get used to the speed of the game, seeing how small those windows actually are compared to college and just being able to make those reads at a much faster rate than they they've had to do in the past. And so it's hard to say like, yeah, they'll get it. It's just one of those things that takes experience. And so if he's expecting to get this start, it's, it's one of those things to where I feel like you just have to say it favors the Titans. Yeah, I think so too, a little bit. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, quite a bit, because honestly, I think that Carson Wentz has, uh, if, if you watch the game, under the, the duress that he's had due to the situation that we've had with our O-line, he's been under duress and pressure and, and, and all that through both games and has, pl- has played incredible, in my opinion, just to keep us in those games. And that's not the same style of quarterbacking that Jacob Eason brings to you. He is more that sit in the pocket, you know, find the receiver, deliver the football rather than extending a play and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. You know, I would actually bring pressure uh, a lot, uh, just run blitz and then go after the quarterback afterwards. You know, um, I'd, I'd force him to make quick decisions because rookie quarterbacks have, issues with that sometimes yeah I, I mean i know it's early in the week but are all indications at least coming from within the program and from colts fans like this is jacob starting like it's like that's pretty much where we're looking at right now or is there like there's a, still that sliver of hope that carson is able to go there's a sliver of hope but i i know what it's like to deal with high ankle sprains and to have a, a high ankle sprain on one and a and a low ankle sprain on the other, being a quarterback, that's going to affect not only your drop back but your delivery as well. Mm-hmm. Not to mention his mobility. And you know, I I don't know. You know, we're we're still waiting to hear. Um, Frank Reich is. You know, we're waiting on to see the MRIs come back, see how bad it is, and whether or not he can tuck through it or not, or even if he should. You know, because a high ankle sprain is one of those situations where uh, if you injure another high ankle sprain, which you can do very easily, it's it's not like the low ankle sprain. You could have the taped up all the way up to your knee really, really tight and still roll it again, you know. So and, and if you roll over on something like that before it has healed, you can do some like permanent Serious damage. damage. Yep. Yeah, you can do permanent damage to your ankle. So and to those ligaments. So we're we're we're, we're sitting back and waiting holding our breath. I mean, I think a lot of Titans fans, at least the ones that I've interacted with, they're kind of surprised that Carson was even playing the first two weeks, just based off of kind of the initial reports that came out about his foot surgery. And of course, Quentin Nelson had the same thing. And I mean, I know, I know your fans know everything I'm talking about, but it, it was just kind of a shock to Titans. fans. they're like thinking that first game, it's going to take him at least a month into the season before Carson's actually under center. And lo and behold, he's able to start week one. Yeah, well, it was it was a non-invasive surgery, and the incision was on the side of his foot rather than underneath. So it was more once once the uh, incision healed up, it was more about pain tolerance than it was you know worrying about whether or not it would damage something, you know. So 
that that's all that was. And apparently, you know, the pain tolerance for both Nelson and Quentin Nelson or Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz seemed to be high enough to where they were able to play with no problem. Gotcha. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here, guys. Check us out over on Believe in Titans as well, because I will be recording with him later on this evening uh, for on his show. So go check that out as well. Obviously, you can check that on the Believe Network podcast and anywhere that you get your podcast as well. Uh, thank you so much, Davey, for joining me today. I really appreciated getting some, uh, you know, picking your brain about the Titans. Lawrence, I'm really glad I was able to join and Denard and I are looking forward to having you on later on. All right. Well, thank you so much. And until next time, I'm Lawrence Owen. That's Davey Hudson for Believe in Titans. And until next time, have a good one. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.